specialist in silkies. And he awarded my birds first, second, and third best of the whole show. And it was the nationals. And I just flipped out. I was so excited. This is the Best of Breed podcast. I'm Corbin DeWitt. And I hope you'll turn on this podcast while doing tours and listen to interviews from people like you who show animals. Best of Breed podcast will cover a variety of species. Dogs, rabbits, poultry... We'll tap into the livestock show industry along with several exotic pet breeders. Best of Breed is excited to share the stories from these great people of how they got into showing, faced adversity, handled the breeding operations, and much more. Thanks for listening. The friends that I've met, I've, I've kept all these years and they're still in it, and it's still a, a joy to see them. And it's our chicken family, you know. Well, Kate, thank you for taking the time to be on the Best of Breed podcast. If you'll start out, tell us about yourself. Okay, thanks for having me. This is Kate Morielli, and I uh, have been raising chickens since I was, since 1968. And that's quite a while ago. And I started off just with a few little chickens from a farmer's market stand in Kansas City, Missouri. And then we traveled with them across the country a couple times, ended up in Massachusetts. And then I started my first farm, which was, um, uh, that was the fertile egg farm. That was an orange mass. Then we moved to Colorado. And all the chickens got eaten up. So then we moved back to Massachusetts. And I started my second farm. That's um, Golden Egg. No, no, that's a different one. Um, Goose Hill Farm. And then my farm now is Golden Egg Farm. And I've been here since um, 79, raising chickens and being a potter for all those years. Now I just raise silkies. And I've been raising those for about 25 years. What made you decide on just the silky breed? Oh, it took many years. Um, I'm a slow learner, and I realized that the um, silkies, silkies didn't fly very high, or usually not at all, and they didn't poop as much as the big chickens, and so it was easier than I. It was an easier bird. And my fences are only four feet tall. It's much more than they need, but it keeps animals out. And there aren't very many chickens you can keep behind a four-foot fence. Mm -hmm. So that was nice. And they're cute (laughs) (laughs) and different. They're very different. They are. They're like the perfect little pet breed, I think, if you're going to get into poultry. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think so. They're, they're not very sensible. They're kind of ridiculous, yeah. but they still lay eggs and they lay eggs enough for me. So that's good. So when you came back to Massachusetts from Colorado, mm-hmm. you had mentioned that uh, you had to start over with your chickens. Yes. Where did your line of silkies come from? Where did, where did they originate from? Actually, they came from a hatchery in Texas. And they were so terrible that I had to order again and again (laughs) to come up with something that was halfway silky. 
And um, then I just started adding in a cockerel here and a cockerel there from um, people I met at shows. And once I found the shows, then everything opened up to me. The way I found the shows was by the blood tester, USDA blood tester, Ed Hageman. He came uh, one day and he noticed my khaki Campbells out in the yard. And he said, oh, those are good khaki Campbells. You should go show those. And he told me which show he liked the best. And that was the Congress in January. And that was 1999. And that's my first year. So I brought some khaki Campbells right into the show the day of the show. They let me in and they won some ribbons. <laughs> so that was the beginning. And a couple of years later, I got into silkies with them. And on your silkies, and I just know this personally because I've got hatching eggs from you. And I've had really yes. good success. And I had some really good wins with some of your birds, too. Oh, wonderful. And in those hatching eggs, we had bearded and non-bearded. What made you, and your non-beardeds and your beardeds are both very, very good, but your non-beardeds, they're just extremely good for, you don't see non-beardeds like that very often. Yeah, that's that's why I like them. What made you want to focus on those? Well, they were more lively. They seemed like they didn't run into walls as much as the bearded silkies did. They went after bugs. They're more chicken-like, and I like the way they look. They've got a real definition of the different forms in their bodies. You know, some silkies look like one big blob, but the non-bearded seem to have a very clear head, tail, wing section, you know, nice Mm -hmm. big butts on them. And they came out of my um, beardeds just by accident around, I'd say, about 2003. And Janet Lynette pointed those out, and she said, those look really good. You ought to hang on to those. And so from then on, I, I worked on them just mm. because of Janet. Do you get a lot of questions about them? No, I'm surprised I don't because they've been winning like crazy. And yet across the country, they are not a very popular bird. I think they're afraid of them. <laughs> so one thing I liked about the ones that we got out of the hatching eggs from you is mm-hmm. those things, I mean, in the cage, show cage or at home. You know, the beardeds, they can't see real well if their crest isn't taped up. They just kind of sit there. But those non-beards, they strut around just cocky and like they want your attention and they'll get it. That's what I thought was so cool about them. Well, that's what the judges see. They really like that attention. They Mm -hmm. like a spunky looking bird. It makes you wonder why the judge is picking those because um, those big fat round um, bearded silkies, they're they're pretty good looking. Mm-hmm. I think the judge walks past the, the non-bearded and is surprised, he or she is surprised to see that this bird is kind of interested in the judge mm-hmm. and standing up. They do show very well, and it's just natural for them. They don't sit plop like a bearded often does, you know. Mm-hmm. What would you say has been either your favorite show or your favorite memory from a show? Oh, I, I guess my favorite memory was the Nationals in 2008. It's actually the 2007 uh, American Silky Bantam Club National mm-hmm. in uh, at the Congress, West Springfield, Massachusetts. And the judge was from California. I can't remember his name, but he's a specialist in silkies. 
and he awarded my birds first, second, and third best of the whole show, and it was the Nationals. And I just flipped out. I was so excited. It was too wonderful. (laughs) What varieties were they? It was a uh, non-bearded white for the um, best, best of breed. And the reserve breed was a bearded white. And the third best silky was a uh, bearded white cockerel. Mm, okay. So that, that was a wonderful win. And a good transition from that story is, what would you say makes a good show bird? Mm, they got to be standing up, perky, looking at you. Then, of course, they've got to have everything else just exactly right. You know, the right number of toes, the right shade of blackness, blue blackness on their skin. The mulberry has to be just right in their comb. No red at all. And you got to trim their trim their toenails. Gee. <laughs> and you don't want pink toenails either. It's better to have black ones. And so many things. I could, I could list a hundred different things, but I don't think you want that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you usually grow them out to a certain age before you pick or you've been doing it long enough now and you know your genetics pretty well at a young age, you know, in the brooder, can you kind of decide who's going to go on to be a show bird and who's not, or how do you, how do you pick which ones are going to be your good ones to focus on? Well, the day they're born hatched rather, I can see which ones are the roundest and then I lose track of them. And then I, I give them as much space as I can so they can all grow up inside, inside the barn. Nice, deep, clean shavings. And then um, by about eight weeks, I start to separate out the males. And I put them over in a different barn. The last few years, I've been saving all the males and growing them up in another big, big space. And that was very rewarding this year because by the end of that long time, I could I could choose several obvious birds that I probably wouldn't have um, chosen when they were younger because they they take some time to mature. Silkies do, but the the pullets it's the same way. They're off. They're segregated pullets from cockerels, and that keeps a lot more peace in the flock, of course. And lots of space, lots of air around them. Especially in the summer, you want lots of windows. I like to give them as much time as possible. So when they hit six months, I've got a pretty good idea. It's, it's a tricky time of year. You're coming from summer into fall, and the birds, they'll look kind of crummy. And you think, oh, I really screwed up this year. I'm not going to win a thing. And then the next week, you come in and you see something that's... that's um, kind of sticking out and eventually the ones that you you pick are very obvious they're standing there they're big and round and the other ones just don't look like anything so it's a really easy pick but it takes between six and eight months and you got to watch during that time because a few will be good in the early time and then a few weeks later another few will be good to keep Mm-hmm. And I take those out when I find them and they go over to the show um, barn and they, that's another big area where they can spread out and grow the rest of their, the way. 
I'm teaching a backyard poultry class here at our career tech school in the evenings. And one thing. Oh, been, nice. Yeah, it's, I like it. It's been enjoyable. And one yeah. thing we talked about week was a lot of the people in the class, they haven't bought backyard birds and they've never, they don't have experience with it. And so on Tuesday night, we just talked about what is the best option? Do you buy hatching eggs? Do you hatch them out? Do you buy chicks? Do you buy grown birds? And there's a pro and con to all three. So if somebody was wanting to get into silkies to show, they start with. Eggs, definitely eggs. Find a breeder, get some eggs. Find another breeder, get some more eggs. Then you got a couple of batches growing up. Mm, that's the best way to go and, and that's a fast way too i started off with hatchery chicks and they were terrible so mm-hmm. i had to you know grade them up but by the cockerels from breeders the, the eggs are the best is it important for somebody to have a mentor and then if it is how does somebody find a good mentor well i didn't really have one i mostly talked to the judges I talked to the people who were at the shows. Every show you go to, you learn something else. And everybody's got their own tricks of the trade. And they're pretty much willing to share. But you have to have outside information. You can't learn it yourself. You can't just mm-hmm. learn it from looking at the standard because it's so it's uh, so subjective. Do you think there's different trends for what judges like as far as where you are in the country? Definitely. Um, when I first started off, it was giant pom-pom heads the size of baseball, uh, softballs. Um, now the judges are, are finally realizing that the birds can't even see, and so they're picking the, the birds that are more um, evenly balanced. Okay. A giant head that just looks like it's, it's making the head fall over, and that's not popular anymore. And if they can't see, they can't stand up and they can't be perky and they can't act like a chicken. Mm-hmm. So thank goodness the judges do like a bird that's more realistically designed for eating and walking. What other advice would you give for either a newbie or someone that's been in a couple of years? It seems like it all starts with cleanliness. If you can keep your birds clean, then it seems like They'll consistently grow up without stopping for stress or, or being filthy, and that'll slow them down. If you can keep them really clean and growing right up, then you've got a better chance keeping them healthy. And the way you keep them clean is to change shavings, of course, but put a lot of lime underneath the shavings. It's garden lime, the white powdered stuff, uh-huh. and that keeps away the, the bacteria and coccidiae is bacteria you don't want that so that really slows them down if you have that okay so once they're clean then you can go from there uh it's like a head start on life so if you're consistent with that then you're going to have a much better bird any kind of bird pet bird show bird and then show birds it takes years each year you can have two big batches of chicks I like to do January and June and sometimes more than that. So that's two chances to do different breedings, different matings. And every time you, you 
have results, you learn something else. And each fall, <gasps> each fall is, is like Christmas when the, <laughs> the new pullets are ready to show. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you to walk us through what a year looks like. So it sounds like you do most of your shows in the fall then. I do year round, but my best winds are in the, sh- in the fall because my, my best birds are pullets and they're freshly grown and they're, they're you know, they just look like the, uh, they look like life itself. They're so mm-hmm. beautiful when they're, you know, between six and eight months old. They're almost glowing. They're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And they don't seem to get that after a year or two. However, the judges have picked some ancient birds from my flock. And sometimes they've developed a lot more fluff to them and fat. They get When they're fatter, they look better. So the old ones who've stopped laying, they can put all their energy into their bodies, you know, and that's where the fat comes from. So mm-hmm. sometimes they're very pleasing. If you can get them clean enough to the judges. Yeah. So it's not only genetics, it's also cleanliness. You can't have one without the other, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I remember, you know, using yeah. that line was one tip that you told me to do. And I do that in my yes. reader pens. And it seems like it kept mm-hmm. the odor down and it just kept them dry and clean. Yeah, it works. Uh-huh, it I think does. it keeps all kinds of bugs away. I think so too. Well, that's a good tip. Yeah. Yeah, that's work. That's an easy one. Mm-hmm. When you go to a show, what would you say one of your biggest pet peeves at a show is? People running up to me and asking questions when I'm trying to put my birds in the right coops and I put them <laughs> in the wrong coop. That's what messes me up. Mm-hmm. So I've almost lost birds that way by putting it in the wrong coops. <laughs> Good way to make enemies too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've been doing this long enough now. Would you say that the show industry has changed <laughs> as far as how people act and where the shows are and just has the show industry changed in general, you think in the last 25 years or so? Yes, I believe it has. It goes through periods of real competitiveness and, and secrecy, you know, trying to hide the uh, your bloodline and where you're getting your birds from and all that. And then sometimes it's very friendly. It, it just depends. Um, some people are bent on making money, and that's kind of difficult to get along with a person like that. And other people are there for the fun. And other people are there to get a perfect bird. And that's that's the, the one I, I'm drawn toward because we want to get a perfect bird. And it, money kind of wrecks it because, you know, with money, you're going to you're going to try to bend the rules a little bit. And if you're not thinking about money, then you're worried about the bird. And I think the shows. The best shows are, are the people who are really into breeding the perfect bird really glad you said that and that you brought that point (laughs) out so i remember we went to my first actual what i would say big chicken show or poultry show was the apa nationals in shawnee 
And we got home mm-hmm. from that. I called my dad and was telling him about it. And he said, so what kind of people are at a chicken show? And I said, <laughs> there's, there's everything. And exactly what you described is how I described it. And you're right yeah. about it. It's the people there that are wanting to create um, just a good animal. I think those are the people that have the most knowledge, the most care. And actually, they're they're the most kind and the most willing to help. So I I agree with you. Yeah. Those are the ones you want to you want to seek out and hold on to and ask questions to. Yeah, yeah. And we become kind of a, a fraternity of bird perfection. And that means you are passionate, you are hooked on the whole thing, and it goes for your whole lifetime. You're not going to be in there for a couple of years and quit. Because the friends that I've met, I've, I've kept all these years, and they're still in it, and it's still a, a joy to see them. And that's our chicken family, you know. Um, I add a cockerel in every year or so. Not consistently. It's when I find something that I like. And I'll usually add in no more than two, eh, more like one a year in one of my colors. I, I keep about six colors. Bruce, Bruce LaViolette. I got a, a rooster from him many, many years ago. And that started my hatchery birds turning into show birds. And then after that, it was Janet Lynette, Eddie Travis, Sherry McDon- um, McCullough, and Judy Gant, and Ann Stanley. I got a blackbird recently from Ann Stanley. It's funny. You, you look at a silky and you think, oh, yeah, silkies are sort of all alike, aren't they? But not at all. Each flock from each of these people, they're totally different. And when you blend them in with your own, it takes a while to get back your own birds again you know after several uh, matings several hatches it takes a while to get rid of the stuff they like and keep what you like but at the same time you're you're strengthening your own line but you have to personalize it and it takes a while you had mentioned that first cockerel that you got that you used Uh on your hatchery birds and you said then you started getting so could you really tell the difference as far as that first generation out of that cockerel that they really started to kind of have that silky type like they need? Absolutely. The first hatch, you could tell. You could toss out, well, culling is important, very, very important. You mm-hmm. get rid of everything that doesn't look like a silky and you keep everything that does look like the silky that you have in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at a bird in your flock and if something's wrong with it you say do i want the rest of my birds to look like this and you say no then out it goes it should be called immediately yeah and i think going to those so, bigger shows like i said we went to apa nationals we went to the state fair took some silkies um and i won best to breed with a black silky and then one best <laughs> feather feather leg pull it with a black silky well, Great. I looked I looked at pictures like yours and other breeders and I so we go to APA Nationals <laughs> and that's where I really got to see what a, a true show what I would call a show silky needs to look like. And so I think, yeah. you know, if I wouldn't have just went down there and you know, took some birds with me and entered not 
trying to win. It was mainly to learn. It would have taken me a whole year or two. I would have wasted a year or two breeding stuff was not show quality. So, yeah. Well, culling is the trick. You'll get there faster if you cull hard. And you not only for looks, but in all of those things, the fingers, the toes, the beaks, the crest, all that stuff, but also health. You cull for health. You don't keep a bird behind. You don't keep a bird in your flock if it's sneezing for any reason. I agree. I think that's, I mean, even especially in livestock. <laughs> yes, livestock. Mm-hmm. I did uh, rabbits for many years, hundreds of rabbits. And okay. you well, had to walk in every morning and listen. If you heard a sneeze, that, that bird, huh, that rabbit was out of there. Yep. So we lived on rabbits. <laughs> the freezer yeah. is always full of them. But I made perfect rabbits, so I was very proud of them. If I'm a person listening to this and I want to get started in silkies and I have none and I have no experience in poultry, chickens, anything like that, what's the first thing I need to do, you would say? Wow. So many people are telling me that their birds are getting eaten by predators. So the first thing I would say would be to either make or Maybe maybe buying a coop would be the best thing to do for your first coop. Just to know that all of the edges are tight together so a weasel can't get in there. So first you have to have a live chicken, right, before you can get going. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing, a really solid coop you need. And no chicken wire because that's really raccoon wire. They love it. Uh, <laughs> but welded wire. And gosh, lock them up at night. So then if you've got those things going, then you can start on your line, your good show line. I like how you said first you need a bird, you know, you need a chicken. And that's kind of one thing in this class that we've talked about is they want it to be perfect before they get going. And I understand that. I tell them we don't want to waste your time, your resources, your money with a faulty coop or sick birds. But that's why we're here. But at the same time, like you said, you need a live bird, so you're not going to learn until you jump into it and learn by experience and asking questions. Absolutely. So. And newbies really do have to listen. It's amazing. So many people come and say, I, wanna, I want to um, empty your brain or something like that. And they don't listen to anything I say. It's so strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they come and say, oh, weasel ate all my birds. Or this goofy thing, this, that goofy thing. Oh, my chicken's got a cold. It's a summer cold. (laughs) No, no, no. It's a life cold. Mm -hmm. It should be gone. A bird, uh, if birds get respiratory problems, that's it. That's the end of its life. Mm -hmm. You have no choice. It doesn't matter if it's a show bird or not. If you bring that bird to the show, it'll just give everybody else the same problem. I know that's harsh. Mm-hmm. Hauling your birds to a show, what kind of carriers yep. do you use? I have those um, guinea pig coops. They're plastic on the bottom with about four inches of tray, solid tray, okay. plastic. And Good. I fill those with shavings. And the rest Good. of it is about mm, 12 inches taller than that in wire. And one okay. bird goes in each cage. Mm-hmm. That way they arrive at the show clean. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to mess with them. 
and you don't ever have to go running off to the bathroom and giving them a, a bath in the sink. That's terrible. Don't do that. <laughs> if you yeah. clean the litter in the bottom, then, then they don't get dirty. Do you like to wash a few days before, let the natural oils set back in, or is 24 hours enough? How much ahead of time do you wash your birds before the show? Well, I don't think they have any natural oils. I don't think silkies do. Okay. It's hard to see if they ever did. Mm-hmm. So I wash them as close to the show as possible, usually the night before. And then do you do anything else after that or just dry them, let them air dry? Yeah. I, I do use, I use a uh, heat lamp over a big, um, a chest sized tub, plastic, you know, the, the tops open. I put about five birds in there. They are two by four or two by three and a half in size, the tubs that I put them in with really deep shavings. They go in there for a few hours. And then after that, they go into their own individual coops. And those are the show coops that I take to the um, shows. They pack into my truck, um, all stacked together. There's three layers of them. I can can fit 16 in there in my truck as a six-foot bed. You probably got it figured out just perfect as far as where they each need to go to get them all in there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I've done it so many times. I do 12 to 16 shows a year. <laughs> Jeez. Long enough now, and you've had lots of big wins, and you've helped other people have lots of big wins. And so looking forward, what are some of the projects or what are some of the goals that you're working on? Oh, Right now, uh, after my last show, <clears throat> I pretty much won my colors, but I didn't win any higher than that, and that's Actually, that's kind of unusual for me, but um, that's disappointing, and it takes me down a few steps, When the, and I should be, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get a swelled head, but after I get over the shock of not winning, that's <laughs> terrible, um, then I come back and I think, okay, now, <laughs> what can I do better? Mm-hmm. And I know that I was a little lazy this winter, so cleanliness is on my mind a lot. I need to check each bird individually at least once a week to see if they've got mites or any other problems and take care of it immediately because a bird that's dirty is never going to win. And a bird that was dirty and was just washed is never going to win because the judge is going to see it because they can they can have mites hidden in the, in the most secretest places. Mm-hmm. And anyway, the judge will see it. Okay. Is there anything else that any other advice you have for us tonight or anything else that you'd like to share? After you come home from the shows, you you, uh, think over everything that you've seen at the show and you make these new resolutions, how your black should be shinier. The black should have less white in their feet. You're thinking about um, a new match to change the length of the the uh, waddles, um, that's a really good time. And that's that's very constructive. So that's when your, uh, your plans, you start drawing out your plans. I always draw out all of my sheds and I put the birds in the sheds. I write in the names of the birds that are going to be in there, you know, the, the type, the color. Mm-hmm. 
And then I, I mess around with them for weeks. Oh, I'll put this rooster here, this rooster there. And that's really a nice thing to do. So do you recommend people go talk to the judge after the show and ask them about their birds? Oh, definitely. Yeah. The judges have the answers. I know they get tired, but once they sit down, they're ready to talk. And all of them, all of the judges I know are really nice and really helpful and anxious to tell you about your birds. Mm-hmm. Especially if they put a little smiley face on, on the, um, the coop tag. <laughs> then they're very anxious to talk about it. Uh-huh. Like Jackie Kadanich will do that. Well, Kate, if somebody wants to reach out to you, can they would send you a message on Facebook or email, or what's the best way for somebody to reach out to you with their questions? Oh, Facebook's easy. That works. Okay. okay. Yeah. I'll I'll probably just I'll copy the link of your Facebook. In, in the description okay. of your episode, I'll just put it in there and some they can click on it and it'll go sure. through your Facebook. So that's fine. Okay. Uh, well, Hope Kate, I have all your questions answered. Yeah. I really, <laughs> really appreciate you taking the time and I really do appreciate it. Well, thanks for putting this together. It's a great idea. Uh, it's a great idea. Ho- hopefully, we can have you on, like I mentioned earlier, a couple months from now. And if you know, I hope we get some feedback from this episode with more questions and then we can have you back on and ask those questions. I think that would be really nice. Oh, sure. Yeah, that'd be that'd be just fine. Yeah, that'd work. Yeah. So, well, all right. Um, so appreciate it. Take again. care. Yep. Good luck with everything. And thank you again. Thank you. Have a good Bye-bye. night. Bye. You too.